So it's great to be home. So it seemed good to me to finish. Yeah, I need this. It seemed good to me to finish uh, Paul's thought here in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Um, so I was going to ask, some of you know the answer to this question, what is, the mo- what is the second most published and read book in Christianity? Anybody know? We know the Bible is the first. The second is? Pilgrim's Progress. That's right. I trust you know the story uh, written by John Bunyan in the late 17th century. It's a powerful allegory of the Christian life. The complete title is The Pilgrim's Progress from This World to That Which Is to Come. So that fully explains where the author would take us in this book. Uh, the key words in the title are obviously Pilgrim and Progress. So what, is pil- what does it mean to be a pilgrim? What does it mean? It simply means to be on a journey, right? We are sojourners. We are transients. What does the writer of Hebrews tell us? That we are exiles. We are aliens on this this globe. We are not here to stay. We are here to leave. We are all leaving. And if we were born again Christians, we are on our way home. We are simply traveling through this faraway country. We are on our way home to be with the Lord. The word progress, of course, obviously means simply to advance, to proceed, to go on, to go forward. I trust that each of you know, each of you that are Christians, that is what it means to be a true believer. You are a pilgrim and you are progressing. Amen? Biblical Christianity is not a spectator's port. It's not, a, it's not something that we watch. It's not something that we observe. It's not something that we simply do on uh, Sunday, it's something we live. We are pilgrims. We are on our way to heaven. We are on our way to be with the Lord. We've been given a job to do while we're here. We're not just on a stroll. We're here to do something. We're here to be the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are pilgrims. I hope you know that about yourself. I hope you... I hope that's a word that you use to define yourself. I don't belong here. I'm out of here. And because I know I don't belong here and I'm out of here, that's how I will live. That's how I will make judgments. That's how I will put value on what really matters. Because I don't belong here. I'm on my way out. Amen? Amen? And I think this is one thing Paul is saying to us uh, in this text. you remember how the story began in... in, uh, in Pilgrim's Progress, Christian is reading the Bible and yeah, he feels the weight of his sin and he believes he's going to sink into hell. He's going to face the judgment and he meets a man named Evangelist and Evangelist says, what's your problem, young man? And he says, I believe that I will sink into, into hell with this burden I have on my back. And the Evangelist says, well, if that's your condition, why do you stand here? And the Evangelist says, you see that narrow gate across the field? He says, run to it if you'll have salvation. Run to that narrow gate. You remember what Christian did? Christian took off. He took off running, just like many of you have. You're on the pilgrimage, right? You're headed for the narrow gate, right? He takes off running. You remember what happens? His family and friends, they come out and they encourage him, right? No. 
His family and friends come out and say, Stop! Christian, don't, don't be radical. What are you doing? Stay with us. Stay in the world. Be one of us. Don't go with Jesus. You know, just do a little religion on Sunday. You don't have to really follow Him. Stop! <laughs> you know what Christian did? <laughs> of course, I'm paraphrasing here. You know what Christian did? He put his fingers in his ears. And he kept running. He said, life! Life! Eternal life! And a pilgrim is born. Amen? A pilgrim is born. And Christian is on his way. A pilgrim progressing. That's who you are tonight. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are a pilgrim progressing. You remember the, the great therefore in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. You know, Hebrews 11 is God's definition of faith, and then he illustrates it with 16 individuals. He said, This is what faith, this is how I define it, this is what it looks like. Just so, you know, uh, religious professionals who lack integrity and they try to dumb it down into simply church membership and attendance, he says, This is what faith looks like. It's real in the life, it changes the life. People who believed I was God enough to follow, I was God enough to obey. And he gives us 16 illustrations. And then you get down to verse uh, 1 of, of chapter 12 and there's a therefore. And you remember what God says? Does anybody remember what God says as He finishes Hebrews 11? That great chapter on faith. God says, therefore, you go do it. Effectively. He says, this is what faith looks like. Hebrews 11. Then He says, therefore, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, that's how I want you to live. That's how I want you to live. To live. They were pilgrims. They were progressing. This is Christianity. If you're not a pilgrim, you're not a Christian. If you're not progressing, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying we don't have hard seasons. I'm not saying that we may not have dry seasons. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you are fighting to progress. You are actively pursuing that you might grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are, you are submitting yourself and you are cooperating with the Holy Spirit in your own sanctification. It is your, your greatest desire to be to know Christ more. And this is what we hear Paul saying. Oh, that I may know Him more! This is genuine Christianity, beloved. This is what we see on the pages of Scripture. And you go back to Hebrews 12 again. You may remember in verse 2 it says, God says, Lay aside every encumbrance, the sin which so easily entangles, and run with endurance the race set before us, fixing your eyes on Christ. I said it already a couple of times. Christianity is not a spectator sport. I know it's devolved into that in many places, but it is not a spectator sport. In fact, Jesus says, I hate it when it becomes a spectator sport. He, says, I he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. If you're lukewarm about me, I'll spew you out of my mouth. You can't belong to me. You can't know me and be lukewarm about me. I'm God. I'm the Creator. I'm the Redeemer who was nailed to a tree. You cannot be lukewarm about me. We are pilgrims 
in love with this great God. And we are progressing. It's what Paul is saying in the text. He says, I've fallen in love with Jesus and I'm on my way. He says, I press on. Amen? I press on. Are you, beloved, pressing on in your Christianity? We're all at different places. But that, that's not the issue. You're not to compare yourself with me or I'm not to compare myself with you. Are you progressing? Are you growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? So tonight, Paul, as he concludes more or less what is a personal testimony about his coming out of religion and coming into relationship with Jesus Christ, Paul says, I'm a pilgrim and I am progressing. We saw in the text, you heard, you heard Bless and read it in the first few chapters, or pardon me, the first few verses of chapter 3. God is denouncing pseudo Christianity. And, and you see how he feels about it. Verse 2, he says, Beware of the dogs and the evil workers. Uh, beware of the false circumcision. It was those who were adding something to, to the simple gospel message. This is how God feels about it when his, his, uh, his word is altered or edited or amended or added to or taken away from. God hates it. He calls such men, he calls such, such false teachers, he calls them dogs. And evil workers. You say, well, Jim, that's harsh. Well, these are not my words. These are the words of God. This is how God feels when men are fast and loose with this. And this is where we start as we look into chapter 3. We talked some about that last time we were together. And you notice there at the end of verse 3, Paul says, I don't have any confidence in the flesh anymore. He says, I was the perfect Jew. We talked about it last time. He was the perfect Jew. He was at the top of the food chain in Jerusalem. Nobody did religion better than Paul. Nobody. All of us put together couldn't do religion as well as Paul did it. And Paul said, what did he say in the text? He says, it's done to me now. I've met God. Religion won't get it done for me anymore. I've met the living, breathing, beautiful God. His name is Jesus Christ. I don't put any confidence in the flesh. My confidence is in Him. I don't put confidence in sacraments. I don't put confidence in, in uh, ordinances. I don't put confidence in my church membership. I don't put confidence in the prayer I prayed. I don't put confidence in a, in a profession of faith I made. I don't put confidence in the fact that some preacher pronounced me a Christian five years ago. I don't put confidence in any of that. I put confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ who's changed me from the inside out. Amen? It's always an inside out proposition. If it's biblical Christianity, it's an inside out proposition. Paul says, I've been changed. And I love him more than anything else. In the world, I love Him. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I say that a lot, but it needs to be said a lot in this day and age, and particularly in this place where we live. Paul was the perfect Jew, and now he's just a pilgrim. <laughs> Don't you love it? No more pretense, right? No more arrogance, no more pride. I'm just a pilgrim in love with Christ. I'm just a pilgrim progressing. He said, he said all that was gained to me pre-Jesus Christ is in fact lost to me post-Jesus Christ. It is in fact dung. It is refuse to me. Knowing Jesus is infinitely better than the next best thing. Amen? 
Knowing Jesus Christ is, better, is infinitely better than the next best thing. No one or no thing can compare to Him. And Paul has given himself to this pursuit of Jesus Christ to live as Christ, to die as gain. I always end up back there when I'm talking about true Christianity. That's true Christianity. To live as Christ, to die as gain. If I live today, I make much of Jesus. In my marriage, in my work, in my, uh, in my neighborhood, in the church, obviously. Uh, in my social uh, occasions with my friends. I make much of Jesus. That's who I am. I'm a pilgrim. I don't belong here. The world looks at me odd because I make much of Jesus. They think I've lost it because I make much of Jesus. They think I've believed in some kind of fairy tale because I make much of Jesus. But I've met Him. <laughs> I love Him. He's the central reality in my life. The central reality. Tonight as we focus on verses 12 through 16, Paul says, I'm just a pilgrim. I'm just a pilgrim progressing. And I'm asking you, beloved, as I preach this text, are you, are you a pilgrim and are you progressing? You know, just be honest with yourself tonight. Are you really a pilgrim and are you really moving on with Christ? Or have you merely played religion with Him as Paul had done prior to meeting the Lord? Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I, as we said earlier, press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus Paul owns for himself what you know and what I know. None of us have arrived. We've not arrived. We won't arrive until we arrive. And that's when we see Him. That's when we look into His eyes. That's when we will have arrived. We are all works in progress. You know, there's a fallacy that permeates much of the modern church. That is, I've made a profession of faith. It's over. I... Prayed the prayer. I got baptized. I did the religious thing. It's done for me. People have congratulated me. Religious professionals pronounce me Christian. But you know, a lot of times we see, I've been in this business for 30 years, those who profess Christ, there's never really a change in the life. Beloved, it ought not be this way. It can't be this way for anyone who has truly met the Lord. It's a sad reality in the modern church. People think a profession is the end. Beloved, a profession is the beginning. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of an eternal beginning. It never stops beginning with Christ. It's always new with Christ. Every day is new with Christ. In eternity, every day of eternity, if I can say such a thing, is always new. You never arrive in Christianity. You never arrive. There's always more stuff. There's always more awesome stuff to know about Jesus Christ. Face down the road to Damascus, Paul learns this fundamental lesson about Jesus. He's not a religious end. He's the beginning. He's the beginning of a spiritual pilgrimage. 
And oh yeah, he says, follow me. He doesn't say, be my fan. He doesn't say, have a seat and watch what I do. He doesn't say, have a seat and applaud me. He says, what does he say? He says, follow me. Jesus says, come and go with me. Do what I do. Say what I say. Live like I live. Bring my bride in. Bring them all in. That's your job. I've left you on the planet to bring in my elect. Bring them in. It's our job, beloved. Paul says, I've not arrived. He says, I press on. You may remember, if you know Philippians, you know the, the great text. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 there, 22 and 23, where Paul says, I'm hard-pressed. Anybody remember why Paul was hard-pressed? Why, Corin? That's right. He says, I'm hard-pressed. I don't know if I... He says, man, I want to go. He says, I know it's right for me to stay because it's profitable, but I really want to go. He says, I'm hard-pressed. I want to go. You know, we really should understand that. If we don't understand that, we've, I think we have some inventory to do in our own lives. If you don't understand Philippians 121 through 123, if you don't understand that, that pull... We need to understand that pull, beloved. You know, I hear people say, well, Jim, I, I, want to get, I want to get married first. I want to have a career first. I want to make a lot of money first. I want to, you know, I want to do this first. I want to do that first. You know, I used to say I want to preach one more time before I go. I've stopped saying it. I don't say it anymore simply because it betrays a, a full understanding or at, le at least even some marginal understanding of what it would be like to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. It demeans Him to say something like that. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul says, I'm hard-pressed. So the hard-pressed man presses on. Do you see it in the text? He presses on. He's a hard-pressed man. And the hard-pressed man or woman, they always press on. The hard-pressed man or woman presses on. This is what Paul is saying. He says, I press on in my own sanctification. I press on to know Him more. You may remember the relentless call of all the Bible. God gives a call that men should seek Him. Lost and found, seek Him. Seek Him. There's this, this, this call, seek Me, seek Me, seek Me. And what does, what does the man or woman find as, as he begins to seek the Lord? What do we always discover if we're genuinely seeking the Lord? What do we discover with a, a true biblical understanding? What do we discover as we seek the Lord? He was seeking us first. He's the seeking God. You know, some people say, and I listen to them and I understand new believers, for them it's all, I found Him. No! Not really! He found you! Really? And you know, as we come to biblical understanding, we, understand, we begin to study our Bibles, read our Bibles, we understand it's about Him finding us. It's about Him coming for us. But there's this call to seek Him. And we begin to do that and when we begin to do that, we have found that for an eternity He has already loved us and He has been seeking us. I love that. Gives me goosebumps. <laughs> that moment I finally turned from my sin to pursue Christ, He had been pursuing me forever. As long as I was a thought in the Creator's mind, He had loved me. Beloved, this is how huge the love of God is. <laughs> it's an awesome thing. As I said to so many back in Little Rock, how can you live that small? I say it to you all the time. How can you live a truth like that small? How can you do it? 
How can you do it? And it's not simply to be in relationship with Jesus. You remember Romans 8.29, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. It's not simply knowing Christ. It's being conformed to the image of Christ. Paul says here in Philippians uh, 3, verse 12, he says, I'm on board with this conformity thing. I want this conformity thing. Let me ask you, are you on board with it? Do you want it? Are you pursuing it? Is it like the thing at the top of your know, to-do list? To be conformed to Jesus Christ. To submit myself to His Lordship and to His Word. It's just the beginning, beloved. It's just the beginning. We are pilgrims progressing. I think every honest Christian can readily confess this. While I'm definitely not what I was, I'm not yet what I should be, I'm not yet what I can be, I'm not yet what I will be. Amen? We are all works in progress. We are all works in progress. And Paul says, I've been laid hold of. The potter's hands are on me. Don't you love it? And God is molding His people. He's changing His people. He's remaking His people. He's conforming His people. The hard-pressed man is pressing on to be hard-pressed by the potter's hands. We just want to be soft clay. Amen? I mean, ultimately, I just want to be soft clay in the Lord's hands. I want to be who He purposes for me to be because I know my maximum joy is there. I know my maximum life is there. When I, when I shy away from being whom he, who He has called me to be, I lose. I lose. I'm the one who loses. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Paul says that I haven't yet arrived, nor has anyone else. And he refutes the false teachers. And this, you run into this, these false teachers on occasion who teach perfectionism, that you'll be a, you'll be a, you'll be a sinless Christian. You should be a sinless Christian. Uh, Paul refutes it here. And in several other places in, in his letters, there's no such thing as a sinless Christian. The Bible doesn't teach that. You'll never be sinless. You're being sanctified and you, your, your responsibility is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in your own sanctification, but we never achieve sinlessness. We understand uh, that from the Bible. We will be like Him when we see Him. I think that is in 1 John. So Paul uh, understands. He says, I'm not, I'm not perfect. What's the, 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 the word here is, I'm not, mat- I'm, I'm not mature, fully mature. We will only be perfect. We will only be fully mature the moment that we physically come before the presence of God. Paul's been a Christian 30 years when he writes this. Isn't that reassuring to you? It is to me. I've been a Christian 30 years. I know I've got miles to go. Don't you know you have miles to go? Isn't there sin still in your life that you struggle with and you deplore and you must confess? We're all, in this, we're all in this fight. Paul was in this fight. Go read Romans chapter 7. Paul is in this fight. But his exhortation to us is to grow in the grace and knowledge 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. This desire to grow in the Lord, it's, it's in our spiritual DNA. It, it's part of what genuine Christianity is. It's a hallmark of true conversion. We are never content in our spiritual state. It doesn't mean we can't have complete joy and happiness in our spiritual state, but we understand we have miles to go. We are pilgrims progressing. Amen? I have sin in my life I'm still dealing with. Lord God, help me remove this from my life. We have miles to go in this thing called Christianity. Paul says it over in uh, the same way that God says it in Hebrews 12.1. Paul says it first. Corinthians 9, 24-27. He uses the same metaphor as the writer of Hebrews. He, he likens himself to an elite athlete. And he says, I buffet my body. I exercise control in all things. I run with a purpose. It's what the, it's what the writer of Hebrews 12 said. Run! Paul says over in, in this 1 Corinthian passage, I think it's chapter 9, he says, run! There's this metaphor. Run! We are pilgrims running! We are progressing! Amen? I love this metaphor. You know, we've talked about the Olympic sprinter a lot in here. I use that analogy a lot. It's not by accident that he ascends the gold medal platform. It's not an accident. He just didn't drift through life and end up on the gold medal platform. How did he get on the gold medal platform? It's because he's pursued it all his life. It's been his whole life. That's why he's on that platform. This is what I think the Lord, the picture the Lord is putting in our minds. Run. And Paul says, run to win. Run. You're a pilgrim. Run. You're not supposed to be on a stroll. This is not a meander, a spiritual meander. Run your Christianity like you really believe it. Run with all your might. Run. And when people say, stop, you're being a radical, put your fingers in your ears and say, life, life, eternal life. Because, beloved, if you love Christ, and you follow Christ, and you obey Christ, there will be times when everyone in your life, almost, will critique you or discourage you. If you are following Christ radically, there will simply be things He's called you to do and enabled you to do and gifted you to do that no one else will understand. Sometimes, People who mean well, they will discourage you. But I invite you to do what Christian did. <laughs> Just go with God. Go with God. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The hard-pressed man, he presses on for the prize. What is the prize? God is the prize. Amen? I tell you all the time, you get as much of God as you want. People come to me and they say, Jim, I can't find God. I don't know where God is. God's not speaking to me. I, I, I don't feel Him in my life. And I say, well, you know what? Most of that's your fault. You really get as much of God as you want. You know how you get God? Obedience. Simple obedience. That's how you get God. John 14, 21, I bring it up, I don't know, once a quarter at least. John 14, 21, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I'll disclose myself to you. You want more of God? Obey Him. Simple obedience. 
It's, it's not rocket science. Simple obedience. In your workplace, in your home, in the church, in the neighborhood, in your leisure, simple obedience. That's all it is. We get more of God in our obedience. Paul wanted more of God. Always more. That's what he's talking about. He's expending energy to have more of Jesus. Oh, that I may know Him! He says. And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. I just want Christ preeminently. I understand we have subordinate desires. I get that. I understand that. There's nothing wrong with those subordinate desires if they're under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is how it works for the Christian. Christ is first. Everything else comes after. Christ is first. To live as Christ. To die is gain. Verses 15 and 16. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if, any, if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep, a, keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. The word perfect here, as I mentioned earlier, again, refers to maturity. We're not talking about sinless perfection. We're talking about being mature uh, in the Word and in the Spirit. Paul says, if you have any difficulty with this, if you have a different attitude, if you are not genuinely interested in pressing on in your sanctification, he says, I leave you with God. He says, God, you know, God knows how to get the attention of His wayward children. It's Hebrews 12, 5-8. We are not illegitimate. He will discipline His wayward children. Paul says, if you don't agree with what I'm saying, I leave you with God. God knows how to discipline those who do not hear or obey Him. Verse 16, in effect, Paul says, but for those of you who are pressing on, keep pressing on. Never stop pressing on. It's what biblical Christianity looks like. I'm going to give you three verses. Colossians 1.28 The Bible says, Be complete in Christ. Ephesians 4.13 Be mature in the fullness of Christ. Galatians 4.19 Have Christ fully formed in you. In effect, God says, Grow up! You call yourself a Christian? Grow up! Be a man. Be a woman. Be my disciple. Make much of me because in a few minutes you'll be with me. Grow up and live like I've called you to live. Grow up. I mean, this is what he's saying. Mature. Real Christians mature. They grow up. They grow up. It's really what Paul's saying. Grow up. And as we were saying, and as we looked at you know, Psalm uh, 23 and 24, grow up. Live your life huge and die well. You can because you're my child. Live your life huge. Make much of my son. And then die well. <laughs> then die well. Step into eternity with me. I love how C.S. Lewis talks about this. He says, God's not called us to be boys and girls riding ponies with saddles. He's called us to be men and women who ride bareback those earth-shaking steeds from the king's stable. We're not supposed to ride ponies. This is not a pony ride. 
<laughs> we're to be mature men and women riding those earth-shaking steeds from God's stable. You remember the rebuke God gave to those who called themselves His people in Hebrews 5 and 6. He says, man, you guys are still babies. He says, you know, you guys ought, some of you guys ought to be teaching by now. You're still... Grow up! Real Christians grow up. We are pilgrims and we are progressing. I think this is what the Lord is saying to us tonight. It's what hard-pressed men and women do. They press hard towards spiritual maturity. They really go with Jesus. They are always progressing. We understand that we have not arrived yet. We have miles to go. And one thing at one point I, I missed through the text that I want to just touch on. Paul says, I forget what's behind. There are two things behind you that can hold you back from pressing on. If I gave you a few minutes, you'd know what they were. One is your sin. You know, I've had people confess to me uh, grievous sin and they can't forgive themselves. And they say, well, the Lord has removed it from you as far as the east is from the west. Believe and go on. You know, go on. Press on. Don't let former sin and guilt hold you back from future obedience. The other thing is some people, you know, they, they kind of sit back and they beat their chest. Well, I've done X, Y, Z. I'm an awesome Christian. I did it five years ago, man. I'm just going to coast on in. You know, another way that, that we can stumble from, from past experiences is to be so proud of what the Lord's done through us in the past. Do I, have to, I don't have to tell you that's wrong, do I? God is always calling His people to new obedience. He's always calling you to something new, something that's not on your resume, something that you need Him to do through you. You can't do it on your own. So Paul says, I forget what's behind. I'm on my way to Jesus. I'm a pilgrim. I'm progressing. Amen? So, we are hard-pressed men and women. We press on. We are pilgrims progressing. I'm just going to close with uh, Eugene Peterson's um, great paraphrase over in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It's in the Message Bible. He says it like this. And this is the sermon. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how He did it because He never lost sight of where He was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. I love that. Have you lost sight of where you're headed? <laughs> Is it hard just now? Are you being persecuted for what you say you believe? Are some people discouraging you from a deeper walk with Christ, a deeper obedience? Peterson says, and he's right, he says, keep your eye on the finish line. That exhilarating finish in and with God. The day you look Him in the eye. That's, you know, that's the focal point of our lives. The day we look Him in the eye. I'm not just trying to get through the day. Man, I want to live my life huge and I want to die well and I want to stand in front of Christ and I want to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want. That's what, mature, that's what mature Christianity looks like. That's what every true believer wants. To honor Christ in our obedience. That's what Paul is saying. I press on. So, I encourage you tonight. Press on. Press on, beloved. Don't ever stop pressing on. You are a pilgrim. And you should be progressing. We're going to celebrate the table tonight.